Hey Bliss Seekers, and welcome to your online home away from home. A place where we marry ancient wisdom and modern science, so we dispel the woo-woo of spirituality to help you find authentic health, balance, and bliss. I'm your host, Ari, a specialist registered dietitian, certified intuitive eating counselor, embodiment coach, and modern mystic. I've trained with the world's leading experts in psychology, mindfulness, and behavior change. And I am a recovered perfectionist, overachiever, and self-development junkie on a mission to help you stop being your own worst critic, to finally step into your authenticity, and return to wholeness through mind, body, and spirit integration. This is a place where imperfection is celebrated. So grab a cup of cacao, coffee, matcha, or whatever you fancy, and inhale deeply through your nose and out your mouth, and get ready to live in alignment. You're listening to Align with Ari. This episode is brought to you by my embodiment toolkit, your one-stop shop to return home to your body and rebuild trust and connection with your inner wisdom, which is already inherent to you. Embodiment is an ongoing practice. It is something we need to continue to nurture every single day to help us become our most confident, happy, and authentic selves. So at the foundation of healing, if we think about it, we've been given this beautiful, dense matter of a body to work through and feel emotion and to connect with something greater for our soul's journey. So in this toolkit, you can find various resources to meet you where you're at, whether that be breath workshops, yin yoga, yoga nidra, some gentle movement in the day to reconnect with your body, or perhaps maybe more ecstatic movement, such as shaking, swaying, dancing. It also includes a daily landing meditation and a workshop on your nervous system, getting close and personal with the sensations and a brief introduction to embodiment work. So what we know is when we reconnect with our bodies, we awaken our emotional intelligence and recalibrate our inner compass that knows exactly what we need, how much, and when. This is the foundation to living a healthy, aligned, and blissful life. So if you're into it, head over to my website, www.arianarodriguez.com forward slash embodiment dash toolkit and get your access to the embodiment toolkit so you can return home to your body every single day. Hello, lovely bliss seeker, and welcome back to another episode of Align with Ari, where we marry ancient wisdom and modern science, and of course, where imperfection is freaking celebrated. Now, in today's episode, we get really close and personal, okay, with ourselves. So I had the quite literal pleasure of speaking with Jenna Switzer, who is a holistic sex coach and orgasm extraordinaire. Her work blends traditional practices from Taoist and Tantric lineages with a modern understanding of anatomy and physiology. 
Originally from Canada, she has been a passionate yogi for 15 years and a teacher for a decade. She has led workshops, trainings, retreats, and classes domestically and internationally, and she is passionate about living life fully turned on and has empowered hundreds through her online courses and one-to-one coaching. She currently creates and teaches from a small surf town in Indonesia, so I had to wake up bright-eyed and early for this episode, but it was so, so incredible and definitely woke me up. (laughs) Now, in this episode, we talk about so many different topics, really emphasizing, first, what is sacred sexuality? What is an orgasm? And what are the different types of orgasms? Orgasm as a journey versus a destination or outcome measure. Why orgasm and self-pleasure have been taboo. Overcoming shame and tips to spice up your self-pleasure practice. We also talk about common challenges women might face. The overlap between eating and sex. This was incredibly interesting. We talk about trauma and post-traumatic growth. Intuitive sexuality and what a healthy sex life feels like and the benefits of sexual pleasure. So much goodness in this episode. I can't wait for you to listen in and take things home away with you. Ultimately, you might be asking, why in the world are you talking about sex? Maybe, maybe not. Maybe you're like, ah, duh. But maybe you're curious. And ultimately, you know I love to talk about pleasure, right? If you've listened to my episodes before, pleasure is so important to find your soul's purpose, right? It often serves as that true north, that inner compass. It also helps us really tap into our best possible selves and also is linked to life satisfaction and pleasure, you know, different areas of your life. Now, at the end of the day, we are energy beings, right? We are frequencies and orgasm and pleasure is an elevated frequency. It is a way of being. And so quite literally anything can give us a sense of pleasure as you'll soon hear. But in this particular practice, we're emphasizing this relationship that you have with your physical matter, with this body of yours, which helps us, right? If we think about earlier episodes, we talk about the physical body being used to navigate this soul experience in this lifetime. And so it's thinking about how can we resource our body to experience pleasure and to experience our best possible self, right? To attain what we call bliss which is our purest essence and frequency form. Now, what's really interesting to emphasize here before we go into the episode is the relationship between mental health and self-pleasure. So there's a lot of research actually supporting these practices. And although they've been perhaps taboo, maybe we feel a bit cringe or uncomfortable thinking about starting a self-pleasure practice, or maybe, you know, we've kind of just literally touched the surface and there's more to be explored. What I want you to remember from a scientific lens is that self-pleasure has been linked with a release of dopamine endorphins, oxytocin, which are your happiness, feel good, and love hormone respectively. We also know that people who experience more self-pleasure have decreased stress and anxiety levels, have lower blood pressure, have improved relaxation, and have reported better sleep. We also know that self-pleasure boosts our self-esteem and can improve your sex life, 
can expand your creativity. Think the second chakra, right? If we think of the chakra system in yogic texts, it's really linked to the womb, which is where we birth ideas and where we can be more in flow and tapped into our sensuality and our kind of intuition. And of course, it also promotes pelvic health. What's interesting is that a study published in 2019 surveyed 778 adults and it found that people who experienced more orgasm on average had favorable sleep outcomes. So do it for your mental health if nothing else and I'm sure it's going to turn into and blossom into something beyond what you can ever imagine. I think it's also so worth mentioning a book that I referred to in today's episode, which is called Love Worth Making by Dr. Steven Snyder. And he's a sex therapist and he really compiles the science behind our intimacy in long-term relationships specifically, he mentions. And this was actually one of my number one recommended books in 2022. (laughs) Highly recommend. I really enjoyed that read. And What's beautiful is we also, you know, we're going to talk about orgasm here. And as you'll hear us mention, it's not about just reaching orgasm, right? Which is often shown in pornography, in our entertainment industry. It's very much in society. It's like that is the goal and the point of sex. Instead, which, you know, what Dr. Steven really invites us to do and what Jenna invites us to do is to think about the journey itself, right? the intention behind sex and who you're connecting with and or connecting with yourself right and so if we can have a connection of building a deeper more loving relationship with our bodies with ourself that is powerful and that can be incredible medicine and one of the things that dr snyder mentions in his book is something that i think is so lovely just to really bring this idea home which is you know sex isn't about the orgasm. In fact, it's actually about the shared experience and even just being in each other's presence in relationship as he alludes, he specifically refers to. And there's one practice that's called simmering, which is this idea of, you know, building up, you know, that sexual energy because we all have sexual energy, whether it ends up in being what we traditionally know as sex or not, building up that energy, that desire is healthy. And there's actually a lot of research to support the health benefits. And so we can do that with our partners if we are in partnership by simmering with them. So for example, if we're rushing out the door before work, we might just take a really a moment to smell our partner, to hug them and, and smell their neck and maybe kiss their neck, for example, right? Even if we're in a rush, we have time to do all these things. And this really supports a healthy, sustainable sex life. And this can be with yourself as well. For example, Really, perhaps something I often, you know, recommend to my clients is self-massage, right? Building a relationship with your body, lingering where it feels good and kind of, you know, giving yourself that affection and that gentle touch as well. Another thing I wanted to mention before diving into the episode is the relationship between eating and sex. And what's interesting in terms on a behavioral note, what we find is when we restrict our food, right, whether this be in the form of limiting portion sizes, maybe trying to diet, trying to avoid specific foods that actually give us a sense of pleasure, we know that we also restrict most things in our life, including the ability to experience pleasure. And we are more likely to have issues with intimacy and our ability to enjoy life and have fun. So something I often share is 
thinking about where in your life you experience pleasure and inserting what I call pleasure pops, right? So think about where that might fit in, whether it's self-pleasure or other forms of pleasure, whether it be, you know, really deeply connecting with friends, having laughter, what Jenna calls laughgasms, which I absolutely love, whether it be going to stand-up comedy, going to a live music event, eat a delicious, you know, six-course meal, whatever it might be, but where are you finding pleasure? The more that people embrace the idea that food serves a range of purposes, not only providing nutrients and nutrition, which yes, it absolutely does, it also helps us feel energized, but it can also serve as a vehicle for pleasure, right? It can also serve as a vehicle for connection. So the more we find in the research, the more people use food to engage with their sensual selves, like the sensations, right? Mindful eating, being present and savoring, there is a correlation with sex life as well. We also know that cravings can be symbols for sensual deprivation. So I know in my clinical practice, what I often find is that food, you know, if we think about emotional eating, what might come up is that food might be used to self-soothe as a way to experience warmth, comfort, love, in essence, when we peel back the layers. So cravings without physical hunger might point us in the direction where we are depleted, where we need to fill up our cup, whether that be romantic, more intimate, and sexual areas, as well as perhaps even more support, more community connections, whatever that might look like for you. So there might be a correlation here. And of course, connecting with our sensuality requires being embodied, right? So there's a tight correlation when we think of intuitive eating and having a healthy relationship with food. So too, this really important for having a healthy relationship with sex, sensuality, our bodies, right? So it comes back to the full lived experience of the human body, which we can call embodiment, right? So when we are in positive relationship with our bodies, we are connected, we can listen to them, and we can honor their communication cues to us. That means that we can be more present. And when we are present, we can experience more meaningful sexual experiences and orgasms. When we have a negative relationship with our body, it might be more difficult to play, to be curious. We might be more restricted. We might experience more compulsive exercise or resistance to exercise or binge eating. So when we are not nourished mentally and physically and emotionally, we can't be embodied and therefore can't live a full and connected life. So interestingly, studies have found that positive body image is also associated with greater sexual satisfaction. So with that said, if you're not sure where to get started, you can definitely look into getting access to my embodiment toolkit, which is a really great place to start, you know, trying to reconnect with your body. If you feel a bit uncomfortable, if you feel like you've been numbing or avoiding this body of yours, building a really, you know, a loving and nurturing, compassionate relationship and trusting relationship with your body is key to this type of work as well. So you can find that in the link below or on my website. 
And lastly, before we dive into the episode, I really wanted to share this wisdom from a sex expert called Jaya Ma, and she coined the five erotic blueprints. So this can be helpful for any of you trying to better understand your relationship to sex, how you experience pleasure, and what you know what you crave more or less can be really helpful. I know when I first learned about this, it was really (laughs) eye-opening, you know, in terms of enlightening why you might like, you know, sex with some partners more than others, what you might like for yourself as well. So it's very important for your self-pleasure practice as well. So there are five blueprints and you can take the quiz online. So I've linked this below just for your own knowledge and self-awareness because I do believe understanding yourself is so key and will also help you with the, you know, what we're going to talk about in today's episode with Jenna, but really it could be a nice place to start when exploring this area of your life. So the first blueprint is called energetic. So this is when an individual is aroused by space or anticipation and tease. So they might be more sensitive and need time to assimilate to sexual touch. So too much touch too fast can turn them off. So they enjoy more of like the anticipation. The second is called the sensual blueprint. This might be being aroused by sensation, whether that be touch, right? Playing, you know, with soft touch, tickles, feathers. It can be sound, taste, smells, maybe aromatherapy, etc. They bring beauty, comfort, and a whole body experience to the sexual encounter. So their biggest turnoff might be being stuck in their head and living in tension. The blueprint number three is called the sexual blueprint. This is the one that's most notably shown in the entertainment industry and pornography as well. So this is what, you know, only one of the five, however, it is the one that is often highlighted. So this is being aroused by the simple act of intercourse and sex is fun and they use sex to relax. The fourth blueprint is called kinky. So this is the type that is aroused by the taboo. And the fifth is the shapeshifter, which is aroused by all of the above. So just something to think about. If you feel like getting to know yourself a little more intimately, go for it. It could be a lot of fun. Do it with your friends. (laughs) Now, without further ado, let's explore getting in touch with ourselves through self-pleasure and orgasm with Jenna Switzer. Jenna, welcome to the podcast. So great to have you here from across the world. How are you? I am fantastic. Thank you. I'm super stoked to be here. Thank you for accommodating my schedule. I know you're traveling, I'm traveling, so I'm glad we figured out time zones and made it work. Yes, yes. The beauty of just tech, you know, you just bring your laptop, hop and just on a plane and go anywhere. That's the best. (laughs) And I love that I get to connect with you. So you are a holistic sex coach. Mm -hmm. Oh, I love that title. How amazing would it to be just like, that's what I am. You know, you go to like dinner parties, cocktail parties. It's like, wow, okay. <laughs> Usually, <laughs> I love to be honest, tell me I more. drop off the holistic part. I just tell people that I'm a sex coach because it's already a lot for people to be able to like, whoa, like a sex coach. What is a sex coach? And if I'm honest, I normally don't tell people right up front because I genuinely feel that there are so many of us that are just like almost bursting to talk about sex. That unless I am in a place Mm. where I really feel like I can hold that container for people, I actually, generally, I just tell people that I'm a digital nomad and, you know, I work online and usually people don't ask more questions because often, and when I say often, I mean, I'll have to start counting, but it's going to be like 
nine out of 10 times, whenever I say I'm a sex coach, somebody is like, oh my gosh, there's this thing that I really want to know about, or, oh, I've had this problem for forever. And <laughs> it's often much more personal than you think people are going to share. You know, you're just like, oh, wow. Oh, okay. You know, <laughs> that's it. It's like, oh, finally an opportunity to talk totally. about this. Right. It's often so taboo. And I know we're going to talk about that. You know, it's been taboo historically. Mm -hmm. So we're going to talk about why that is. But I'm sure it's one of those like I'm an accountant situations, right? <laughs> like opening up the totally. And, There's yeah. so much more sympathy <laughs> for like doctors and accountants and like that kind of thing. Oh, man. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. I hear you. I hear you. You're like, don't ask any questions. I'm online. That's yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> I feel, I used to feel the same way. So I totally yeah. get that. So tell us, I guess I'm so curious, you know, as a sex coach, what is it? So what do you do? Right. I'm sure you get a lot of questions as mm -hmm. well. Like, is it, you know, I'm just curious. I already follow your, you know, I know what you do, what you teach, but for our listeners, what does that entail? What does that mean? It's really quite broad, but the reason I love the holistic part of being a sex coach is because how, I really firmly believe that how you do one thing is how you're doing everything generally speaking. Mm -hmm. So if we're spending our lives like rushing around, really focused on the outcome of what we're doing, like capitalistic society is really about doing and being more, right? It's not about like kind of relaxing in that stillness or pleasure. It's about like accomplishing and where are you going? And so if we're spending our whole lives like that, it makes sense that when we come into the bedroom, right? It's hard for us to just like be present with our partner, our brains going a million miles a minute. We're like, clicking off things on the to-do list and worrying about what we haven't gotten done. And then you notice a pile of laundry in the corner and then your brain somewhere else, because that's how we're conditioning ourselves all the time. So a big part of what I do is help people have better sex. That's what I do, help people have better sex. And that can be through a lot of holistic practices that people don't always associate with sex. So breathing well is gonna calm your nervous system. It's gonna get you in a physical right state mindfulness practices that you do throughout the week so that when you come into the bedroom, your brain is primed to be present and to feel into those sensations. A lot of different practices like that, that just really get you empowered in pleasure rather than just like trying to figure it out on the fly and not really having any idea what's going on. This can cause like in men, it causes erectile issues, performance problems, whether they're lasting too long, not lasting long enough. Women, it's like we can't seem to find our sex drive. That's super, super common. And then when you are having sex, you're not having orgasms. You're not really experiencing the pleasure you want to experience. You're dry. You can't keep your brain in the moment. Like there's lots and lots of issues that we struggle with. And it's really amazing how many of us are struggling in our sex lives. It's so common and how little we talk about it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my goodness. I am like all the head nods over here. I know just me and my girlfriends, like we talk about it so much and it's something that, you know, there's not much education, mm -hmm. you know, I was just actually thinking about this and, and just, these are things that we have a human body. We're meant to connect with each other and it's something that we don't really talk about at all in school. No. I was actually recently in San Francisco and their education system in sex is so advanced. I was like, whoa, hold on a minute. Like learning about gender, around sex, about all these things from a, you know, a younger age than perhaps, you know, being from Canada, it was rarely talked mm -hmm. about. I think we just were given condoms and that was it. And so it's quite interesting that this is, you know, getting to know your body as well and how and what you need. It is an essential, vital essence you know, to kind of thrive in society. Yeah. So it's quite interesting that you mentioned that come outcome driven and that being associated 
it makes me think of this idea of the entertainment industry and how it per- sex is portrayed as yes. well. It's like this, you know, get to the end is very like penetrative. That's the only way you yes. can have sex. Go outcome. That's it. Rather than enjoying the journey mm-hmm. itself. So I wonder if you can speak to that. Like, what is sacred sexuality? And I love that you mentioned, you know, how to prime yourself and prepare yourself. But there is this word that's being kind of thrown out there, which is sacred sexuality. Yeah. And I wonder if you can talk a bit about what that means and how it can be linked to our connection to self. So there's a quote from Danielle Laporte that I really love that says, it's sacred because you say it is. And that's really important because we give things matter meaning, right? We decide that this piece of paper in this shape with this print on it is money and that it has the value of X amount, right? So in the same way Mm -hmm. that a ritual or something that is sacred, it's sacred because we decide it is. So all that it takes to experience sacred sexuality is for you to decide that your pleasure and your sexuality, your orgasms are sacred. That's all it takes. And by making that the intention, then the experience around it is so much more respectful, so much more honoring. There's much less of, you know, if you think about, you know, someone you really care about, has a religion that you're not familiar with. And so you decide to go with them to their place of worship, right? And you walk in with a sense of reverence, curiosity, with like a heart that's open. And maybe you don't wanna take on that religion, but it's your friend. So you're trying to like kind of understand where they're coming from. And I feel that way about sex is that if we can look at it from this place of like, this is something that's really special that I've been taught maybe complete lies about my entire life because the majority of people have been taught lies because all we know is what we saw in movies, what we saw in porn or what we read in like a magazine one time about how to blow his mind in bed. Right. And then like (laughs) maybe our girlfriends are telling us stuff, but like a lot of our girlfriends don't even know. Right. So it's just this practice of remaining curious and remaining open hearted and really exploring something with wonder and respect, you know, for the beauty of what it is. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think there's something too. I read a book called Love Worth Making Mm. and how to have ridiculously amazing sex in a long-term relationship, which I know that's a question that, you know, I feel like I hear a lot. I had myself actually. And funnily enough, after my big breakup is when I looked into it. (laughs) When I'm single, now I need to know this. I feel like that's a catalyst for like self-development, isn't it? Yes, totally. (laughs) I've learned a lot in my last year and a half, let me tell you. I love that. But ultimately, (laughs) I learned this thing about how, you know, we all come with our own baggage, like each individual's, right? And this is in, in all matters in life, but especially in the bedroom, it's something so intimate and something that, you know, you're truly, I mean, I would say, and probably, you know, I would be the one to use the word sacred sexuality because I place that meaning mm-hmm. on it, as you mentioned. But there's this idea that you're being fully seen, mm-hmm. you're totally vulnerable, and you're each also bringing your own like belief systems and all of that. There's a lot more psychology to yeah. it that was so shocking to me. So I was like, oh my gosh, why did I? obviously. (laughs) Why did I not think of that? (laughs) Right. And so it's thinking about the dynamics in the bedroom and all that. So I'm curious if you can speak a bit to that element of coming together and how you can create a safe space for each other. So it sounds very mm, cliche communication. And something I hear often from partners that I've engaged with is that I almost over communicate 
And it's because there's been too many times in my life where I've said one thing and they've interpreted another. So one of the things to me, if you're coming into a sexual experience with a new partner, right? One of the things I always ask, do you have a boyfriend or girlfriend? Do you have a significant other? Usually if I'm going into that situation, I know the answer is probably going to be no, right? So then the second question I ask is, does anyone think that they're your partner? Because sometimes the answer to that question is a little bit different. And just that intention of communicating to that level of like, I'm not just going to ask you this yes or no question and let you get away with it. I really want to know where you are. Are you fully available for the experience that I am available for? And if you're not, that's okay. And I deserve to know. So I think we often are like, well, he should have told me. Well, yes, they should have told you. And also you are your own person and you're able to ask. And I think that that's really important is that we are clearly communicating intentionally. And we think about it before it happens. What are the things that I want to know? What are the things that give me the sensation of this experience being respected from the other person in the way that I would like it to be respected, right? I want to know, are they in partnership with someone else? I want to know, like, do they consider this to be an investment with me? Or is this just something fun for them? You know, what are the plans for after we have sex? Am I spending the night? Are you spending the night? Are you going, you know what I'm saying? Like all those things. And for some people, they'd be like, oh, it just makes it awkward. But in my experience, it's not awkward at all. In fact, it makes the whole experience so much less awkward because you don't have those moments afterwards where you're like, so I'm just going to sleep. You know, it's like you've already covered it, you know? And Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. if the person that you're entering into that situation with is like, well, actually, I don't really want you to spend the night. I'm not really, you know, I don't like, well, then then maybe you don't actually want to be sexually intimate with this person, Mm. you know? And I think this also is really important in longer term relationships. I've worked with several married people who have never spoken about their sex life. They've never spoken about what they like, what they want, what they don't like. You know, it can be little things like, is the bedroom clean when you go to have sex, you know? That can be a major issue. I mean, stereotypically women, but if a guy is like ADD or ADHD, he's really going to struggle if there's all these piles of things in the bedroom. So it can be even in partnerships of long-term committed lovers who just have never talked about things before. Mm, Yeah, it could be such a nice place to start really having those conversations. And it's like, what do you need? How can I meet you where you're at? And also be of service to you because it is a beautiful kind of way to connect and yeah, give yourselves each other. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. I love that. So communication. Mm. And, you know, I think there's a lot of, and especially the people that I work with, Jenna, it's, you know, a lot of, and it's mostly women, people who struggle with a lot of body Mm. shame, a lot of discomfort in their bodies. And so even just the idea of being fully seen, being naked, as well as, you know, fear of judgment from their partner, that's something that really comes into play, I find, as well as another thing is this idea of saying what you need and what you like, right? It says like these, I know I have my hand raised. I know I've given so many fake orgasms. Yeah, we've all done it. We've all done it. And and we're going to talk about (laughs) orgasms in just a sec. (laughs) But ultimately it's this idea of like, how do you actually start shifting that narrative to be like, actually, yeah, not there. I don't like that. Do this, you know, because it can be so, so intimidating for someone who's not fully confident yet in their body. Yeah, absolutely. So there's two things to that. So 
I'm going to address the communication and then I'm going to skip back to the body shame, mm-hmm. the self-consciousness mm-hmm. that we, a lot of women have. So talking about communication. So one of the things I say is like, it's really tricky to talk during sex right out of the gate. Like I know it is most people who struggle with communication. If I tell you to, you know, just tell your partner that you want something different, they're not going to do it. You know, there are times that I struggle with it and I'm an excellent communicator. I'm so bossy. (laughs) And so (laughs) so I feel that you have to start simple, right? So start with moans. When your partner does something that you really like moan, you know, and that is more attainable humming, that kind of thing you can, and that will signal to your partner that what they just did is hot and sexy. You know, if you can't get the words out, you can also tell them in advance, like, Hey, I have a really hard time talking during sex. So if you feel me like scratching your back or using my nails, that means I really like it. You know, you don't have to use verbal words, especially when you're just starting out. And so, you know, like a little wink, if you can make eye contact with someone and wink at them, like that's a great way to indicate that whatever's happening is sexy and hot, you know? So just find ways to communicate. I don't want to say non-verbally because you're making sounds, but like just without words, you can still Mm. communicate. The other thing I want to circle back to is what you were saying about self-consciousness in the bedroom. So, I mean, we all have our things, right? That we're a little self-conscious about. And I've had two experiences in my life, both with women, where I've realized how when a partner says to us, wow, you're really sexy, they're not just being nice. When they tell us that like, you turn me on so much, like your body is incredible. They're not just being nice to us. They actually mean that. And the first time I was ever with a woman, I remember I was laying in bed and she was walking in from the bathroom and she was naked and she's a very confident woman. I remember looking at her thinking like, I have never been so physically attracted to another person as I was in that moment to her. I just like was so aroused just watching her walk. Mm. And this woman had had three children, right? So she didn't have the tightest stomach. She didn't have a six pack of abs. You know, her boobs had breastfed children. So they weren't like, you know, fake, large. They were just, everything about her was so natural and beautiful. And I could... Like outside of myself, I could see how I would be self-conscious about those things. The stretch mark, that I don't have abs, that, you know, maybe something jiggles when I walk. And in my own experience, all I could see was how incredibly sexy she was. I could not think anything less than like, wow, she is perfect. And it was that moment that it really clicked in my head that I was like, we have so much power in who we are and we nitpick ourselves when in reality our partners just in awe of us and attracted and turned on by us you know and we kind of in our heads are like well yeah but he's just saying that you know no he's not he generally means that he is just wildly turned on and he thinks you're super sexy so it's really about reminding ourselves that this story, this narrative that we have is coming from outside of the experience that we're having with our partner. And the partner that's in front of us just loves us and wants to ravish us, you know? And I think to like bring that back and to keep that in your mind is a great way to like start to like quiet those voices that get so loud when we get naked in bed. Mm. 
Yeah. Oh, that's so beautiful. Thanks so much for sharing mm, that personal experience. Too. That's so, so incredible to, to be in that moment, right? Oh, and I think it speaks so much to this idea that we're not merely physical beings. Yes. You know, we have, there's an energy, there's an energetic, there is, you know, there's frequency, there's that electromagnetic kind of connection, that magnetism between mm-hmm. individuals beyond, there's a chemistry piece that is so far beyond just what our physical matter looks yeah. like. And so, yeah, I just love that you brought that out because it emphasizes that multidimensionality. Mm-hmm. Yes. Thank you. (laughs) So as we move into, you know, we're going to talk about orgasms. You are the orgasm extraordinaire. I I love that title. I love that too. It's been such a funny like journey. I'm like, yes, this is who I am now, you know? Best title ever. (laughs) Amazing. I want to be you when I grow up. That's great. Okay, so tell us. (laughs) So tell us, Jenna. So so I think there's so much, you know, we talk about orgasm and it's often this, like you said, it was like a destination and outcome Mm. typically. I wonder if you could speak to, you know, tell us how can we define orgasm actually? And what are the different types? Because I know there are more than just one type. And I've recently learned about non-erogenous zones and actually like breastgasms, yeah. eargasms, all of these things. So I wonder if you can, yeah, I love it. So t- can you peel back the layers for us? <laughs> Tell us. <laughs> so an orgasm is basically when pleasure overcomes your, I'll say like your whole body, your nervous system, right? So that you are incapable of stopping the experience of pleasure that you're having. That's kind of how I define an orgasm. And that can come from all kinds of different things. When people have never had an orgasm before and they're overcoming that hump of like just believing that they can, it's like I always kind of joke about laughgasms. Like we've all had laughgasms where you just cannot stop it. And that the experience of an orgasm is that it's that laughter except for its pleasure. And that's how it comes through. It just overcomes. And then as far as different types of orgasms, you can have as many different types of orgasms as there are places on your body. So we'll just say infinite because then you can have like, I think Layla Martin had a post today about (laughs) combination orgasms. And I was like, oh man. So there's just like endless amounts. If there's a place on your body where you experience pleasure, you can be overcome by that experience of pleasure, which is an orgasm. So you can have nipplegasms easily. You can have nipplegasms, you can have throatgasms, you can have eargasms, you can have, and there's vaginal, like I'll say vaginal orgasms, so sensations from the vaginal wall. You can have cervical orgasms, which is when the penis is touching the very, very top at the back, and there's a sensation of that. I won't say penis, because it can be really like a wand, anything like that. There's G-spot orgasm, which is stimulation just to the front wall. So just inside, we'll say like two centimeters in and at the front. Generally, that's what we consider the G-spot. I have a bit of an issue about the G-spot because I'm always like, it's a vaginal orgasm from the inside. And anyway, you can have a clitoral orgasm, which is usually we associate that with the glands clitoris. So the part of the clitoris that we can see when that's stimulating. People generally say that's the easiest quote unquote orgasm to experience. You can have anal orgasms. You can have just all kinds. Yeah, I've definitely come pretty close to orgasming from just like a throat massage, which is crazy. Yeah. I've been hearing a lot about that. And actually I'm like, I'm experimenting, but I'm like in that space, but I'm curious even about energetic orgasms as well. So even by being in the same room as whoever it is that you're, you know, you're attracted to that you're playing with. 
So I not to get too airy fairy here, but you can actually take it even back a step. And I have friends who talk about like not even being physically in the same place, but being energetically able to connect with a partner in a way that stimulates an orgasm with no like self-pleasure. So they're not touching themselves. There's no toys. It's just like engaging energetically with this person. Definitely you can have energetic orgasms from a variety of different ways. I've had them during penetration. I find them very overwhelming because it's a very, it's a different level of orgasm. So I was chatting with my girlfriend and I feel like I'm teaching level one and two orgasms right now, but there's still like level three, four and five orgasms that I, you know, I haven't gotten to a place that I can really like know how to present, but energetic orgasms are kind of in that level three, we'll say, where it's like this experience of something that's not touchable, that's only sense, like you can only feel it. And it takes a lot of really deep connection with a partner and a feeling of safety. And yeah, it's quite impressive. It's a pretty epic orgasm. Yeah, it is. Sounds like it. I'm like waiting for that to happen. (laughs) But I'm so curious, Jenna, in terms of, you know, Coming back, and you just speaking to the energetic mm-hmm. piece, I know we won't speak so much about that because it's this whole other topic I imagine on of itself, but I imagine you have to be really quite connected to yourself, yeah. right? And have that, whether it be, you know, whether people want to call it spirituality, you know, or a sense of self, a really deep sense of self or understanding of self-awareness, however we want to use that language, but how might we support ourselves in you know, experiencing orgasm truly for ourselves and each other with people? Like, how do we set the stage? What are the tips? What are the tools that we might need to be aware of? Or what comes up a lot in coaching sessions with you? The number one thing is to make pleasure a priority. I start almost every client with a list of non-sexual pleasures. So kind of call them NSPs. And those are moments that you experience intense pleasure that have nothing to do with sex right? Because we have it. I, as a sex coach, the way that I coach people, I don't want to be in the bedroom with you. Okay. I would like for you to do that on your own. And then I would like for us to talk about it afterwards. But in order for you to be conditioned in a way that I think is going to give you the best experience is that the neural pathways in your brain have to be primed that when they experience pleasure, they hold on to it and enjoy it right? And a lot of us experience pleasure and then we go immediately to our to-do list. Like we just don't allow ourselves to be in that pleasure for very long, right? You know, you smell a flower and then walk on or something little happens. You're like, oh, that's nice. And then you keep going or you're on your phone. You don't even notice the nice thing that happens. So really taking that time to focus in on the sensations of pleasure. One of the things that I get really intense pleasure from is like the sensation of breeze on my skin. There's something about how air can just touch you anywhere it wants and it just does. And there's something about that I really love to just enjoy that sensation. If you think about, especially North Americans will be able to relate to like when the air is a little bit cooler and then the sun shines on your skin and that contrast of warmth and cold, like we love that. And then allow yourself to experience that sensation. I'm a huge coffee drinker. That first sensation of coffee, the smell, the warmth as you put your hands around the mug, like the taste when it's in your mouth, the color, like the whole experience of it can be so pleasurable. And, you know, next step is your own self-pleasure. So there's two kind of 
times that I see people really oppose this or not put in the effort. One is when they're with a partner long term and they're like, look, I have a partner. I don't really want to be like self-pleasuring off to the side. Well, if you're struggling with sex with your partner, you have to start with what you can control and that's you and that's your pleasure. So once you've started this practice of like non-sexual pleasures, start to get to know your own body and not the same places that you've always visited. Go to new places, touch yourself in new ways, be pleasured in places you haven't been pleasured before, you know, on your couch, allow your hands to be on your body, not for the purpose of having an orgasm, but just for the purpose of experiencing physical pleasure with no pressure around it. The other time I hear, I was in a part of a small group one time and this girl was like, look, I see sex when I'm single, kind of like ice cream. Like it's nice to masturbate every now and then, but like I can also just leave it in the cupboard and eat it later. And I'm like, okay, well, it's not like that at all because I would just eat all the ice cream because I love ice cream. (laughs) So this is not going to work very well for a hedonistic person like me, but you're getting to know I've actually found it really interesting since becoming a sex coach, I've had more time of being single and not having a sexual partner than any other time in my life. And I will say when I do have a sexual partner, when I am in partnership, it's a level that I've never experienced before. And I'm not saying that I'm having like 60,000 orgasms every time I go to bed with someone, but the pleasure that is available to me with every partner that I choose to be with is more incredible than, you know, the first 10 years of my sex life combined. And so I think that there's this myth that when you're single, it's just like you're waiting for somebody who's good in bed to come along and give you pleasure. And it's like, that is the time to be learning about your own pleasure so that the baggage, like you were saying, we all come into relationships with baggage. So I want the baggage that I'm coming into this relationship with is like, all the ways I know how to orgasm and all the pleasure I'm capable of feeling. And then I want your baggage to be all the pleasure that you're capable of feeling. So when we come in together, we're just like loaded down with like these experiences we get to share with each other. Right. And you know, yes, it is fun to explore one another's bodies. I'm not saying like walk in there and be like, I only like my left levia touched with this kind of hand. And I only want you to kiss me on the right, you know, like here's instructions manual. Yeah. But it is knowing that like one of the things that I've learned about myself is I'm really sensitive. And so when things are fast and hard, it can be hot, but it's not going to result in an orgasm. So if I'm wanting to experience an orgasm, I'm going to have to slow it down. And my partner might not know that, right? The way they've pleasured other people might be hard and exciting and really stimulating. So it gives me, because I've spent all this time with my own body, the opportunity to share that with them and to have like a deeper connection because I've explored it on my own and I know, right? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think there's so much, so much value and beauty actually in Mm self-pleasure practice. And I think that's something that has been taboo for so long. I think it's something that's, you know, even if I speak about it with some people, it's like they, you see them tighten up. They're like, oh my God, this is uncomfortable. Yeah. You know, brought it up with my mom. I tell her everything. I'm like, yeah. And she's like, oh. <laughs> and I'm just like, it's totally fine. It's just different generation as well. But historically, it's been so, you know, something that you just, you know, what stays in the bedroom, yeah. like what happens in the bedroom stays in yeah. the bedroom rather than it being something like 
actually, it's so healthy. It's so normal. Mm -hmm. Just like, you know, you brush your teeth. It should be something that is practiced, yeah. is, is engaged yeah. in. So I wonder if you could speak to that, you know, the taboo of orgasm, the taboo of self-pleasure. Mm -hmm. And how can we move around that? How can we start on, you know, brick by brick, peeling back the layers to rekindle that relationship with ourselves? Mm -hmm. Part of what I want my work to be is like when you're chatting with your girlfriends, like you have the girls together, you're having a glass of wine and that type of conversation. There are other sex coaches that I've seen that are very almost like looking for the shock factor. And I don't believe sex should ever have shame. And I also don't think that I want to talk about my sex life with everybody that I've ever met, right? So I feel like there's a balance there because I want us to have conversations and I want us to be open and I want the information to be accessible to us. And I also don't want to be forced into telling some rando guy on the Metro that, you know, like I have had, you know, great anal orgasms in my life. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's like time and place, but never any shame. I think the shame just is like, we're like, well, if we don't talk about it, then it must be shameful. It's not that. It's that this is something that's like special to us. Like I, you know, I don't talk about, I don't know, like my childhood with everybody, you know, and I could, I have no shame or guilt around it, but I just don't. So it's the same way kind of about sexuality and pleasure. It's that this is a really beautiful thing that we talk about with people that we trust and love because if you're not speaking to someone that you trust and love, the information you're going to get is not coming from that place of trust and love, which can have a lot of other, I'll say impurities in it, like things that have fallen in from, you know, religious constructs or societal constructs, you know, all around the world, women's sexuality has been very, very oppressed and continues to be very oppressed for so long. And so to kind of undo that knot takes slow patience and love. And I feel like this, like forcing it, this like trying to pull to like break it apart is not, it's not the way that I want to tackle this. You know, I want to come at it with love and understanding and, you know, okay, so why is it hard to talk about? Why is that embarrassing? You know, I've had amazing conversations with my parents who are very, very conservative Christians and sex outside of marriage is not okay in their view. My mom told me, I think I was... 28 and we were talking about sex and my own sex drive and I was married at the time so it was okay to talk about and I remember her saying to me that that was the first time she'd ever had an open conversation about sex not with her mom not with her sister not with her girlfriends never and so it's these like types of conversations that I think like you know you having me on your podcast to talk about sex to talk about orgasms and to see you know, what there is to uncover that's not known yet. I think these are the actions that are really, really going to help. And then our own body being mindful of the ways that we shame ourselves, right? If you live alone and you have a sex toy and you are embarrassed for that sex toy to be out of the dark closet, you know, there's a moment to be like, I live alone. Nobody else is here. Why can't I leave this out? You know, and worst case scenario, you have a friend see it, you know, like here's hoping that your friends accept that you pleasure yourself sometimes. So it's, it's even just like watching those little things and how you talk about it, you know, like there's so many sayings that we have around sex in particular. It's like getting down and dirty. It's like, well, why is it dirty? You know, like 
doing the nasty, like things like that. You're just like, why yeah, you're right. are I these the words that. that we're using? And so just being <laughs> yeah. mindful of how are you talking about it? Yeah. yeah. You know, like one of the things that I think is a great practice to like decrease shame, increase body positivity is like, you know, have nice lighting when you self-pleasure, right? That like, I don't love all the lights on when I have sex. Okay. And I'm not a self-conscious person. Not at all. I love being naked, having sex. It's a good time. But even I'm like, it's just unpleasant lighting. It's just nice to have candles. It's just nice to have the, you know what I'm saying? Like it has nothing to do with guilt and shame. And so the reverse, if you're always like lights out, like pillow, you know, you're mm-hmm. hunkered down under the blankets, like hiding, under, like, yeah. Yeah. you know, give yourself a moment. Like your body is beautiful. You know, if I really encourage people to self-pleasure in front of a mirror, you are so gorgeous when you orgasm and to be able to see yourself orgasm is just beautiful. And it's such a great reminder. It's like, wow, I am so hot. Like, look at all the amazing thing my body does when I'm aroused and when I'm turned on, you know, like it's really amazing. I know it's a big thing to ask if you're feeling self-conscious and if, you know, currently you're having a hard time self-pleasuring with the lights out, but it's a good goal to have. It's a good goal. Yeah. Baby steps. And that's it. I, yeah. And I imagine you kind of start with maybe like dimming the lights. Yes. The lights are usually off. It's like, how can you have them yes. dim? And then how can you like maybe then move to the, you know, eventually to the mirror, but there are baby steps that you might want to take to normalize and find comfort mm. in a different stage, right? Like that stage is a growth and comfort that you're kind of, you know, challenging yourself in a way so that you can build a relationship that is more loving, more compassionate and more intimate with yourself. Yeah. Because that's it. At the end of the day, we have our bodies and ourselves with us for the rest of our lives. So how can we really, really establish something that feels Mm -hmm. good ultimately, like quite literally pleasurable Mm -hmm. and equally just confident, safe? Yeah. Yeah. I wonder, Jenna, do you ever work with anyone who's experienced, and I know this is a big topic, but, you know, trauma, any trauma, sexual trauma, anything like that, and does that ever come up for you? Yeah, it was really interesting when I first started all of, like, the first four one-on-one clients I had had severe sexual trauma in their past. So I also have quite a severe sexual trauma in my past, which is kind of what led me onto this path that I'm on now. And so my therapist who helped me then, who is still in my life now, is an incredible woman. And so I had a chat with her a few times about like where the parameters are of like where I work and where she works kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that is really important for me, that if there has been a significant sexual trauma, that you've sought therapy specialized to that because Mm -hmm. that's really outside of the scope of what I can support. And it's only a small piece of the puzzle. Healing from that, there's an emotional component, but there's also the physical and embodied energetic experience that really needs support and love. So what I'm doing is kind of filling that gap between, okay, so emotionally I feel ready to have sex, but when I go in the bedroom, it's like everything shuts down immediately, right? Because even emotionally, I might be available, but physically I'm not, or energetically I'm not. So I get the opportunity to kind of be that missing piece in the healing process of going from where you were to this place of empowered pleasure. Because for me, it wasn't until I had that really like objectively terrible thing happen that it forced me to look at what I'd always accepted about sex because nothing was working anymore. So if nothing was working, how was I going to rebuild up? 
And so then it's like, okay, well, I used to think this was okay. That doesn't work anymore. We're throwing that one out, you know? And so rebuilding my own sexual experiences really gave me the opportunity to kind of go through and question all these norms that I thought were okay. And I think that trauma gives us that opportunity to completely reset. It's like, this thing has happened. Things will always be different. I get to choose what that different looks like. Whoever the perpetrator was, they were there in the moment of the trauma. They are no longer here. And I decide what happens going forward. And I think that that's a really big feeling of empowerment. It was for me to know that that control is gone. I am the one that decides going forward. And so rebuilding with that strength and my own pleasure and my own experience of pleasure has been really, really incredible. Yeah. Thanks so much for sharing that. I know it's much more common than we might think. And so I just wanted to, I think it's so important to mention that, that you are, you know, we're working with humans. We're so complex. We've experienced many things. We bring a lot of belief systems, you know, and our subconscious based on what we've seen, what we've experienced, witnessed. So it's so important to mention that. I love that element of choice Mm -hmm. and it's like you're a sovereign being and you can make that empowered choice. You know, what we can call in the research, we call it post-traumatic growth. Oh, I love that. So there is that element and we're seeing that versus it kind of having to stay with that experience all the time. It's actually, there is an evolution that can be had an experience. So thank you for that. And what are some ways that we might be able to support ourselves in that growth, in that moving forward, in that choice? I think, you know, I think curiosity is a really big part of it. I think we have this affinity towards judgment of looking at ourselves, looking at someone else, looking at a situation and creating judgment based on what we see. And I think allowing ourselves to be curious really gives us the opportunity to better understand things rather than assuming that what that we already know. And I think that that's really, really helpful in that healing process. I think having support, I think having a couple of good, very, very, very close friends that you can share with, because it is so common, as horrible as it is, Sometimes it's just nice to know that other people have worked their way through it. You know, I can't say enough about my therapist. She's like, oh my gosh. I tell her all the time. Like I have sessions with her roughly about once a year now, but I like send her emails all the time. I'm like, dear Bonnie, (laughs) (laughs) this is what's going on. (laughs) So yeah, I think having a good therapist and feeling really comfortable with your therapist. And if you don't feel really comfortable getting a new therapist, you know, don't waste time, (laughs) you know, I think those are really important. And if I'm making them like really tangible, because sometimes it's really easy to make these concepts up, but if I make it really, really tangible, Mm -hmm. great ways, again, coming back to that experience pleasure. So setting an alarm on your phone three times a day, where you are going to take three deep breaths and allow yourself to experience the sensation of whatever it is you're experiencing. Are you tired? Is your body relaxed? You know, what do your clothes feel like against your skin? You know, what is, you know, just like really giving yourself that moment. That's a great way. Mindfulness practices really allow you to come down to the layers of you that are below because it's really, really easy for us to get so busy that we cover up 
the anxiety, the stress, the pain, the inner turmoil that we're experiencing. And so then it comes out when we feel the most vulnerable, which can be often during sex, right? You'll be in the middle of a sexual experience and all of a sudden this thing comes out and you're like, what? Like, where did that come from? I haven't felt that way. And so like giving yourself those mindfulness moments to me helps to like still the water so you can really see what's below the surface of what's going on in your life. So really intentionally practicing mindfulness. And I'm not talking about like start today, sit for an hour in meditation, just set an alarm, you know? 30 seconds, start with 30 seconds of just breathing, you know, like those kinds of things are really what's going to get you to, you know, the experience that you're looking for in that recovery and love, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I think there's so much to say about that presence and pleasure, right? Pleasure, it happens in the present Mm -hmm. moment. So how can you return back and having check-in points with ourselves? That's so helpful when we rebuild a new relationship with this body you know, thinking about embodiment practice and feeling and that sensation. So there's a lot of mention of sensations, breath, you know, the wind on your skin, you know, the breeze, all these things. It really comes down to sensation and, and presence. So so I imagine checking in with yourself. How am I doing? What do I need? What am I feeling? What are the sensations I have yes. right now are going to contribute to that pleasure in the end in the bedroom as Absolutely. well? Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Thank you so much. And I guess to kind of bring it all together, you know, why is it so important for us to experience pleasure? Oh my gosh. <laughs> well, I, mean, <laughs> you know, I love talking about pleasure in many different ways, whether it be like little joyful practices, whatever it might be. But in general, what are the benefits? Like, why do we need this? <laughs> I, I'll speak mainly to women because I feel like that's probably who's yes. mostly going to listen to this podcast. Yes. So we yes. have an entire part of our body that it only exists for pleasure. You know, they've done all this research and studies to try and come up with an evolutionary reason for the clitoris. Like, it's got to do something, right? And there are some correlations, not causations, to maybe it improves the likelihood of pregnancy. It's not a direct cause. We all know you don't have to orgasm in order to get pregnant. So (laughs) we have an entire part of our body that is just designed for pleasure. So to me, physically, your body doesn't waste energy on things it doesn't need. Anatomically, it does not do that. Your body is always trying to use the least amount of energy possible for you to continue your life, which is why we end up with posture based on how we live, because your body's just trying to contain its energy, right? So when it comes to why do we need pleasure, because you are designed to experience it because it is built into your DNA, even though it doesn't help in reproduction, it doesn't help in food to intake, it is just that important that your body prioritize an entire like organ for pleasure, for the experiencing of amazing sensations. Plus you think about how many nerve endings are in our skin, in different places in our body, and there's a woman, Kim Anami, and she has this course called The Well-Fucked Woman. And a lot of Kim Anami's stuff is like quite in your face. And so, you know, proceed with question. But what I love about that is that it's so true. When you are a woman that is like well-fucked, whether that's by yourself through experiencing your own body's pleasure or, you know, really connected to a partner, you are unstoppable, man. Your confidence, your energy, like the energy that you walk into a room with is just completely different. You know, there's all kinds of like benefits 
tangible benefits that come from it. And on top of that, it's like, you know, more serotonin, more dopamine, like all these chemicals that feel good in our body. Like, you know, obviously we like to experience them, but like really for me, it's like, it's because we are designed for it. We're made for it. So why wouldn't we? Like, it seems so silly. Mm. Yeah. 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 I hear you. Yes. <laughs> it's like a whole vibe, yes. a whole frequency in yes. and of itself, right? It's like, let's get yes. there. <laughs> let's raise the vibration. <laughs> yes, I love that. <laughs> yeah. Quite literally. I love mm. that. <laughs> Amazing. And like, what would be a healthy amount amount of sex? Oh my gosh. Like, I'm curious. Like, you know, what is to be a well-fucked woman, as you put it? <laughs> what does that mean? Are there studies on this? Is there an average? Is there... What, you know what? what? I have to tell you that I've looked up the average and I have to say that I think that the average sex that is reported in couples is greatly leaving things to be desired, we'll say. It's something like... Yes. <laughs> I can't remember what it is. It's like between five and seven minutes. That's like the quote unquote ideal sex time. I just would like to say that I don't know. It's sometimes five to seven minutes is lovely. But generally speaking, I'm just getting warmed up. Like I need a little more time than five to seven minutes. So the statistics on this are a little misleading. But honestly, when you start out and you're just reconnecting to pleasure because of trauma, because of societal conditioning, because of religious conditioning, whatever, it's consistency. It's a daily practice of experiencing pleasure. Once you have it in your body, then it becomes more of intuitive, right? There are times in your life where the well-fucked version of you is having sex several times a day. And there are times where the well-fucked version of you is taking care of the pleasure in your body, you know, twice a week. And it's really intuitive. Starting off, you have to commit to kind of resetting your system, to doing it consistently, even if you just don't want to. It's something that you really need. It's like a muscle that you're rebuilding in your body, right? And then over time, you can tap into your body, into your pleasure. Like when was the last time I allowed myself to experience pleasure? You know, sometimes we're having so much pleasure in our day-to-day life that sexual pleasure doesn't need to also be a priority. It can be, but it doesn't have to. And you'll intuitively know that in your body. There's no one size fits all on that one. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's so great to hear. Cause I think so many people can get disheartened, mm-hmm. you know, and just think like, Oh, you know, my friend is having way more sex than I am, or, you yes. know, I, you know, what's wrong yes. with me. And we start internalizing these belief systems, whatever it might be. And thinking everyone else is, you know, it's just things that I hear that I've probably said at some point in my life, you know, whatever it yeah. might be. So I think it's, yeah, it's important to kind of, I love that sense of intuition. Yeah. And once you get familiar with yourself and it's similar to what I talk about in my client sessions, when we talk a bit about intuitive mm-hmm. eating, it's once you start building that trust with yeah. yourself, it is something that you know when you yes. need it, right? When you kind of, it's like when you're hungry and when yeah. you're full. It's like in a similar fashion. Yeah, the Venn so diagram trust with your body. of eating mm. and sex is like yeah. shockingly overlapping. There's so much, especially yeah. as women, how we view yeah. food and take in food and experience nourishment in our body is so correlated to how we experience and take in pleasure through sex. These two are like, yeah, it's very, very aligned. So what would be in the middle? I'm so curious. That's incredible. Well, your ability to experience pleasure as nourishment for you, not Mm. feeling guilt around it, not feeling like it's a dirty little secret, not feeling like it's a guilty pleasure, that it is a pleasure that you deserve to experience 
and that there is no shortage of it. You know, like I think about like when you eat something and it's really, really good. You go to a restaurant and you have those little tiny plates and the food is just so magnificent. You don't need more. You just need that, you know, Um, Mm -hmm. versus when we feel this sense of lack or like we're trying to fill something through eating, then we end up consuming so much and we don't feel great about it. Same with sex. People often use sex to fill something and they just consume and consume and consume. And it's like, it's supposed to be reciprocal. It's supposed to be an experience that's an exchange. And so when we're using it to satisfy that like whole, that that lack of Mm. self that we feel inside, I see that they're so, 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 so similar. That's incredible. Yeah. It's such an interesting comparison, actually. It was never brought to my attention. So I love that you mentioned that. (laughs) I mean, it makes total sense. Yeah. And permission and giving yourself permission Mm -hmm. as well. And yeah, I think that makes total sense. And I think it just speaks to how that sensation and savoring and rather than kind of inhaling, right? It's like getting to that outcome, looping it back around to how we started this conversation. It's like, we often see it as like outcome oriented, right? It's like, I need to do this because of, right? There's like a means to an end versus it being the whole journey and enjoying the whole connection piece with whether it be food, nourishment, nature that gives us nutrition Mm -hmm. or the whole journey of pleasure, right? The whole sensuality versus the sexuality, you know, it has to be both. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Love that. Jenna, it's been so amazing. Oh my gosh, it's been a pleasure. On. Thank you, Ari. I was so excited <laughs> when you reached out. <laughs> Yes. Amazing. So glad we got to have this conversation and to bring our lovely chat to a close. I'm like, I need, I, you know, could keep chatting <laughs> to you for hours. Is there anything, anything you want to leave us with any kind of nourishment? We'll put it that is, you know, little food for thought that you'd leave to leave us with. I think it's really important to know that you are capable of all of the pleasure that you desire. I know I personally years ago Googled, you know, can all women orgasm? And basically Google said, no, a lot of women can't orgasm. And I was really disheartened. And so for years I was just like, oh, I'm one of those people. I just can't orgasm. You know, I just, it's just not there for me. Like all of the pleasure that you want and probably more is available to you and you are fully capable of experiencing it if you want it. I think that's really, really important for people to know and to really own because it gives you that space of, I do deserve this. I do deserve to feel good. I do deserve this pleasure and this experience. Thank you for that. Yeah, that's so beautiful. I think we can be so misled. Mm. So I think it's so lovely. Dr. Google doesn't know everything. No, definitely not. (laughs) Let's put it that way. Oh, I love that. Thank you so much. My pleasure. Thank you so much for tuning in to Align with Ari. Now, if you like this episode, subscribe, rate, review if you feel called, and please share with a soul sister you think would love to hear it. And if you're looking for more support, head to arianarodriguez.com where you'll find some free resources, a quiz, my embodiment toolkit, and coaching services for a more personalized approach. You can also find me at Align with Ari on YouTube or align.with.ari on Instagram. Thanks so much for listening and catch you soon.